Hey, this is Becca Irway. I'm the worship pastor of Pathway Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope it inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and starts you on a path of purpose. Enjoy the message. So these are the three main things that we are all about as a church, and these are the three things we want for your life as well, and that's simply to know God. Like, Nothing matters in life unless you know God. In fact, that's why you were created, is to know God. And so today, we have one main goal. And that is, if you don't know God, by the end of today, you'll know God. And if you're already like, well, I already know God, hopefully you take some next steps to grow closer to God today. And then it doesn't stop there. Then you got to find family. That's the next thing we're all about. Finding family means that this is a group of people that are going to help you grow. Now that you know God, they want to help you grow in that relationship with God. And then the third thing is make a difference. Life is not about you you like like uh, you know maybe a wake-up call to some of us but like it's not about me it's about helping other people know God and then it just starts all over again so man if you're here and you're like Brian I know God I'm, I'm finding family then my question is who are you helping know God and simply make a difference in their lives so those are the three main things we are all about and again we're so glad that you're here we kicked off a series last week and uh, the response has been awesome in fact in two years that we've been at church this has been I believe the most popular series that we've ever done we've gotten more feedback just like in the one week uh, than we probably ever have before and it's just awesome feedback and we've been promoting it for the past about six eight weeks and what we've actually done in my mind we've kind of turned over the stage to you the microphone to you and we've just simply said hey what are some of the things that you have questions about so that's why we call it asking for a friend maybe uh, you're like ah, I'm not sure you know that I can ask that that might be weird they might judge me hey we're not gonna judge you but asking for a friend and so that's what this series is all about and we've asked you to submit questions either through our app or email or, or however you know write it on a pigeon whatever you want to do and and uh, and just ask these questions that you've always wanted to ask but you've been ashamed of you've been scared to ask and they're all anonymous and so we're just kind of going through each of these questions the questions are awesome I mean really like my hat's off to you guys for some of the depth of some of these questions that you're asking these are questions that I don't know very many people would ask so these are really, really good stuff, and uh, we're going to continue it today. Next week, you want to be here. We're going to wrap it up next week. We have some, save some of the best questions for next week as well. And so, man, I just love this series. We're probably going to do it again, maybe in the spring or next fall, but it is, it's just been so popular that uh, we want to keep doing it. So. Uh, as I said last week, and I'm going to say again next week and today, I just want to give a quick disclaimer before we dive in. First of all, that this is a great series, but you have to understand when we get the answers to these questions, if the Bible says like there's no real answer clearly in the Bible, that's what we're going to say. Uh, this is not my opinion. This is not the opinion of a denomination. We are a non-denominational church. These are not the opinions of, of some famous theologian or scholar. Like I just, I personally believe like if the Bible is what Christians believe that it is, why don't we start there with trying to find some answers instead of going to like, well, my denomination says that. I could care less, right? Like, like if it doesn't say that clearly in the Bible, I don't care. Or, well, my famous pastor said that, yeah, I don't care. Like, like, let's just start with the source that God gave us of the Bible. So I'm pretty passionate about that, as you can tell. So that's what we're doing today. So our very first question for today is a really good one we're going to answer for today. And the first one they're going to put up on the screen, medical marijuana is legal here in Oklahoma. What does the Bible say? So I know some of you, we announced that last week. Some of you are like losing sleep this week. Like, I can't wait to see what the Bible says about medical marijuana. And so that's an awesome question. I'll be honest with you. In all the education I've had on this stuff, I never thought I'd get asked that question. It's a great question. I mean, it really is. So uh, here's the honest answer. The Bible says 
nothing about medical marijuana, like, or marijuana, period. The Bible is silent, so it doesn't say anything about medical marijuana. So listen, you can have your opinions about that, uh, whatever, that's, that's up to you. Uh, you can not talk to your doctor about that. Again, it's when you and your doctor, but as far as the Bible's concerned, it says nothing. So some of you are like, dude, that's awesome. That's what I've been looking for. Others are like, oh my goodness, i got to find an answer. You can look. It's not going to say anything. So that's a really, really good question. What does the Bible say about marijuana? Nothing. Doesn't say anything. So there you go. There's that one. Our next question is a really good question. And basically it says this, how can the creation account and science go together? Man, that's a good question. Like, that's a question I wouldn't have even thought to ask. That's a really good question. And, and again, these are all anonymous. And so uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Like the Bible says, the very first book of the Bible, in the very first chapter of the Bible called Genesis, like it talks about how God created the whole world. And it says that God created the whole world in seven days, really six days. He took the, the seventh day off, which is what we are supposed to do as well. You need a day of rest. And, but then you're like, well, if God made it in seven days, then how can the earth earth be like billions of years old and then there's the Jurassic period and the Mesozoic period and Neanderthals and how does that all fit in that is an awesome question so let me just start off by saying this you have to understand that the Bible is not a theology book the Bible is not a history book the Bible is not a science book is there science in it yeah is there history in it yeah is there theology in it yes but that's not the main purpose of it as we said last week the number one main purpose of the Bible is simply this it's God's story of how he created everything and how people messed it up by disobeying God and then the rest of the Bible by the way that's just the first two chapters the rest of the Bible is about God rescuing us from ourselves and rescuing us from sin that's what the whole Bible is really in a nutshell so when we understand that we have to understand that the Bible says basically this that you need to know this about creation that the Bible is not trying to tell us in Genesis chapter 1, and then you're like, well, how did all the millions and billions of animals, like it says in Genesis chapter 6, there was a Noah and the ark and the flood. How can you fit all those animals on there? Listen, it's not to tell us, well, this is exactly how he did it, just that he did it. Understand this, the main point of Genesis, and really the Bible, isn't to tell us specifically how God created everything that we know, but rather that God created it. So it's not so much that that how God did it, but who did it. That's the main point. Who created the universe and why was it created? Those are the two main questions that Genesis tries to answer. Who created this? Where did all this come from? Well, it came from God. The Bible tells us that. Really clear about that. Well, then why did God create all this stuff? It's not talking about, well, God created dinosaurs because of this and they lived here and this is how this works. No, no, that's not the point. Who created it and why? And the Bible is really clear in, the, in Genesis. God created it. Why? Because he wants a relationship with us. God wants to know you. He didn't create you to be a robot. He wants to have a personal, intimate relationship with you. That's why. So I believe this personally. Like, I believe that, that science and the Bible go together quite well. I think that it's really foolish to say science and the Bible are at odds with each other. I think that's really foolish. I believe this, that God can use nature and God can use science to perform miracles. I got proof in the Bible of this. In the book of Exodus, which is the second book of the Bible, a really famous story that, that uh, God used Moses to part the Red Sea, which was a little bit like of an ocean or a big lake. God used Moses to part this thing and they walked through on dry ground. Which is a miracle. It's a miracle that it happened. But as you're reading that account, it also says that God caused a strong east wind to blow all night long. So what did God do? God performed a miracle, but he used nature to do it. 
Like, I believe that, that God can heal you if you have a disease, and he may just miraculously heal you right now, and he may use medicine and doctors to do it as well. So I believe they both go together. I, I believe that, you know, sometimes Christians are their own worst enemy, like the, your earth is only 6,000 years old. No, it's not. Like, like just, you're crazy. Maybe that goes back to medical marijuana maybe. But, but, like, you're crazy. Like, it is millions and billions of years old. And here's the other point. Like, at the end of the day, just because we don't know specifically how God did all that. Did God create the world in seven literal 24-hour days? Or was it, like, over seven million years or seven trillion years? I don't know. And guess what? The Bible doesn't answer that. Why? Because the way that those words are translated in Hebrew, some of them have lost the translation. So we're not exactly 100% sure what it means. Here's the bigger point. It really doesn't matter. Like as I read Genesis, listen, I honestly, I could care less if God made the world in one day, in seven literal 24-hour period days, or in seven trillion years. It does not affect my relationship with God. Why? Because I need God. Whether the earth is 6,000 years old or 6 billion years old, it doesn't matter. I still need Jesus. That's the main point of the Bible. That's the main point of Genesis. It isn't specifically that God put helix galaxies here and black holes there and the DNA strand of every animal here. No, no, no. It's that God created it and God made it good. Why did he do that? Because he loves us and wants a relationship with us. But when we disobey God, that's called sin. And now we need God to forgive us so we can have a relationship with him. That is the point. I think it's kind of like this. Like Sometimes when you start to chase the details instead of, instead of focusing on the main point, you get into trouble. Like instead of trying to parse, you know, the details of the story, instead of what's the main idea of the story, it's about, it's about God loving us. You get into trouble. It's kind of like this. I, I doubt very many of you know specifically the vehicle that you drove in here, specifically where every nut and bolt on that vehicle came from. You probably don't know. Now, can you do a lot of research? Yeah. But, I mean, some of your engine might have been made over here, and the car might have, the, the body might have been made over here, and the paint was from over here, and they assembled it over here. It comes from different countries, from different factories, even here in the United States. But guess what? At the end of the day, you don't know specifically how all of it fits together. You just know that it does. And the point of the car isn't that you understand where everything came from. The point is that it gets you from A to B. So it is with the Bible. So I think sometimes we do ourselves a, a disservice. I'm not saying to not ask questions. I think the more questions we ask, the better it is. Here's what I believe. I believe science and the Bible go together quite well. There are questions in science that we don't know the answers to. By the way, science has been wrong before. Science used to say that the earth was flat. There's still some people that believe the earth is flat. We call them crazy. Like, like the science used to say that, that the, the sun revolved around the earth. It was wrong. So there are things about science that can be wrong at times. So the, the idea is, I believe this, that when we study the Bible, when we, when we study nature, studying the creator and how he made these things, but when we study the Bible, we are studying the nature of the creator. So when I study nature, I'm studying, wow, God, you did all this stuff. This is really pretty. This is really awesome how you made this stuff. But when I study the Bible, I am studying really the nature of the one that created everything. That's the point. Listen, when I find out about, like, like how many of you, you love fireflies in the summertime? It's just like a beautiful thing, fireflies out in the field. We love that, and you catch them, you put them in a jar. That's animal cruelty. But you do that because it's pretty, and your kids like it. And, but the thing is, like, like, when I was a kid, I didn't know how fireflies or lightning bugs 
dogs did what they did, like how their little tails lit up. I didn't know that. Then I go to science and I find out that there's this thing called bioluminescence, that, that they're able to do that. And listen, when I found out how they were able to do it, that did not diminish the miracle of what they did. In fact, for me, it enhanced it. I was like, oh my goodness, I thought they were cool before, but now that I know how they do it, it's even more better. I mean, this is awesome. Listen, the, the more I, you know that I'm a space nerd, the more I learn about space, that doesn't diminish that I believe in God. No, that bolsters my belief in God and my faith in him. That, oh, my goodness, God, you created this galaxy here, and it's this many million light years away. That's awesome. When you study the human body, same thing. It is amazing to know that the human body can really take care of itself in many, many ways. That when you have a disease, your body tries to take care of it. And how your body has a plumbing system and your body has a nerve. I mean, it's amazing the more you study it. So I believe the more you study science, for me, the more it enhances my view of God, to be quite honest with you. But I understand the Bible is not a science book. It doesn't have all the answers because that's not the point of the Bible. So that's a really good question. I hope that answers that. Science understands how creation works. The Bible tries to provide the experience of how the creator works. Here's a good question. The next one. Number three, the third question. If God is all-knowing and all-powerful, then why does the Bible have errors in it? This is what the person said. They, it mentions the same account more than once, but the story is very different in a significant way. That's a good question. I don't know if you ever thought about that. That's a great question. Like, if the Bible is what, it, like what you Christians claim it is, and it's this perfect book that God wrote, then why are there errors in it? And in other words, what they're trying to say is that, that it says that there's one account over here of whatever happened, but then I read another account, and, and they're different accounts. What's up with that? That's an awesome question. And so, like, if we're going to be broad about the whole Bible, that we could be here for an hour, and I'm not going to do that with you. And, and if you want to, whoever asked that, talk to me. We'll go to coffee, and I'll answer that. But let's just hone in on, on what I believe they're asking uh, on this, is that is in the New Testament, the first four books of the New Testament are called what Christians call the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the books, and those main point of those books are the life of Jesus, things that Jesus said and did. And so you have to understand that, that when you read something specifically, for an example, when we read about at Easter, like Jesus rose from the dead, and it says that so-and-so went to the grave, and one account says that there were two angels on the tomb when Jesus rose. Another account says there was only one angel. Oh, well, the Bible's wrong. No, no, no. Think about it like this. If, if outside right now there was a car crash, and hopefully that doesn't happen because then I would feel horrible, by the way, but if there was a vehicle crash and, and, and four people saw it but from different angles, they would report the crash, but they would report different viewpoints of it. Some person might remember the color of the car that was impacted. The other person might remember that the one person didn't have their seatbelt on. Another person might remember that, that they hit him in a T-bone. The other person might know their license plate number. And so what happens then is we don't just get one account of that car crash. No, police don't do that. They get as many accounts as they can. Why? To create a more full picture of what actually happened. That's what the Gospels are doing. Like, we don't just have one Gospel account. No, we have four. Why? To give us a more full picture of what actually happened. Again, the point of the Gospels, they're not written specifically in chronological order. Some of them are, but some of them aren't. The point isn't be like a biographical account of Jesus' life, although that's there. The point is, this is who Jesus was. This is what he said. This is what he did. That's the main point. And so the fact that maybe one guy says there was one angel, another guy says there was two angels, like, listen, maybe the guy saw the one angel and got, you know, freaked out by it, and then he just kind of ignored the other one. I don't know. Like, like that's not the point. The point of the story is that Jesus rose from the dead. That's the main point. 
And so, listen, you have to understand as well, each gospel writer was writing to a different audience. Matthew, for example, is writing to a Jewish audience. So when you read the gospel of Matthew, he quotes the Old Testament more than anybody else. Matthew gives a lot of Jewish references because he's writing to Jewish people about Jesus, who is Jewish. But Mark, on the other hand, the next guy, he writes to a complete total opposite audience. He writes to a bunch of Romans, and they really don't like Jews, and they think they're second class, and they think they're weird. And so he leaves out a lot of Jewish references. Romans, they like superhero novels. They like superhero stories. And so Mark has a lot of action in it that Jesus is the superhero of the story. He's writing to a different audience. Same thing with Luke and John. So the more we understand it, the more we realize, actually, no, they don't contradict. They, like, and listen, just because they might have slightly different variations doesn't mean it's a massive contradiction. So I think you've got to be careful and understand that, that really one complements the other. That the more I read all of them, I get a more full picture of what actually happened. That is the point of the Gospels. A difference is not a contradiction. You can see the same story from a different angle, but the main story is still true. Here's the, the next question. This is a really, really good question. Basically, and we got, honestly, there's two main questions. One of them we're going to answer next week about the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that next week. But there were two questions that we got more questions about than any other, and this is one of them. And basically, to summarize, is what happens when you die? Really, really good question. They, they, the, that was kind of the main one, and a few of the other ones was, was simply, like, if I didn't believe in Jesus my whole life, and I'm on my deathbed, and I'm taking my last breath, and I give my life to Jesus in that very moment, do I still go to heaven the same way that someone who's been a Christian their entire life does? That's an awesome question. I don't know if you've ever asked that. That's a really good question. And, and quite ans- honestly, we have to answer this, that, listen, the Bible is really clear on this, and we're going to get to some references in just a few moments that, that spells it out. And there's a lot more than just what I have time to give us this morning. But the Bible says this, that you as a human being were created to live forever. So no matter what in your life, you will live forever. That's the soul. Your body won't necessarily live forever, but your soul, the inside of you, that's the, the real you. That was engineered and created by God to live forever. So you got to understand that, number one. Number two, the Bible's clear. We'll look at this in a few moments. Jesus says this numerous times. But it says, Jesus says this, that when you have a relationship with God, when you give your life to Jesus, when you live for him and, and obey him and all this stuff, and your sins are forgiven by him, that when you die, immediately your soul goes to be with him. I like to say it like this, that if I'm with Jesus right now on earth, when I die, I'll be with Jesus for all of eternity. But the opposite is just as true. Sometimes people don't like to talk about that. But the opposite is just as true that, that if heaven is a real physical place, and the Bible says it is, so I believe it is, then hell must be a real physical place because the Bible says it is and I believe it is. So the opposite is true. If I don't need God today, if I don't follow Jesus today, if I could care less about Jesus today, I think the Bible doesn't matter, I don't believe in any of that stuff, well then when I die, I will not be with Jesus for forever. I will be apart from him. I will be without him. That is what we call hell. Like, like it might not be popular, but it's true. So just think of it like this. When you live for God today, you will be with God for forever in eternity. If you don't live for God today, you will be without God for all of eternity. That's what it is. Like, that's the main point. Heaven, yeah, it's this great place with streets of gold and all that. That's fine. But really, it's being with God in his fullness forever and ever. Hell is the opposite. Hell is being without God for forever and ever. Like, that's what the Bible is really clear on this. 
Understand this as well, that if you are a follower of Jesus, and, and not to get too technical, we'll look at this in a few moments, but when you die, your soul immediately goes to be with God forever in heaven. But your body is going to rot and decay and turn to dust in the ground, in a coffin. It's going to rot. But the Bible says, when Jesus returns, and we believe Jesus is going to return, I know that sounds like science fiction, I know it sounds crazy in 2019, but the Bible says it, and we believe it, that when Jesus returns, it says that immediately your body and your soul will be like reunited. They'll be reconnected. You'll have like a, 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 a new body, kind of like the body Jesus had when he rose from the dead. So... Here's some interesting stuff. You say, well, man, I, I'm not sure that I believe about all that hell stuff. Heaven sounds good, but hell, why, why would a loving God, I answered this question this week, and uh, somebody sent us, and they said, why would a loving God send people to hell? That's a great question. I know that's kind of popular. People ask that. Here's the truth, and the Bible's clear on this. God does not send anyone to hell. God doesn't send anyone to heaven. Listen, if you don't need God on this earth, why would you need him in eternity? Right? If I think, God, I don't need you now, well, then God's going to say, well, you don't need me for eternity. It's, it's, it's logic. I mean, it makes common sense, and the Bible says that. Additionally, as well, that, that God wants us to love him. Like, God wants, that's the main thing he wants us to use to know him, to love him. God doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your time. He doesn't want your talent. All that stuff is good. He just wants you. Like, he doesn't want you to follow religion. He just wants you. But he will never force himself on you. Because if he forced him, if he forced you to love him, it's really not love. If I had to, you know, uh, hold a gun to my wife's head all the time to say, hey, you have to love me. And she's like, okay, I will. Well, that's not real love, is it? No. God wants us to love him. And hear me on this. For those of you that follow God, that, and I don't believe it's many of us, but that say, man, I want to follow God because of all the blessing that he gives me, all the good stuff. That's a wrong motive. Wrong motive. Don't follow God because you want his blessing. And listen, don't follow God because you're scared of hell. That's another wrong motive. No. Follow God because you love him, because he's awesome, because he's the best thing that ever happened to you, and because your life without him would be worthless and pointless and hopeless, because he is the one that gives you real joy and real love and real peace. Follow God for those reasons. Never follow God out of fear. Well, if I don't follow him, I'm going to get sent to hell, man. That's going to be bad. No. And don't follow him. Well, if I follow God, he'll bless my money and I'll have a nice house and everything. No, no, no. Follow God for one reason. You love him. That's all he's looking for from you. That's the main point. So, again, we could have dozens and dozens and dozens of scripture to back this up. But just to say this, in John chapter 3 in the New Testament, John was an eyewitness follower of Jesus, and he writes this thing down that Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 36. Anyone who believes in God's Son, talking about himself, has eternal life. They will live forever. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son, which is Jesus, will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus still talking, he goes on, he says this, I tell you the truth, whoever listens to my message and believes in God who sent me has eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sin, but they have already passed from death to life. These are the actual words of Jesus, not a denomination, not a pastor. So if you disagree, you're not disagreeing with me or a denomination, you're disagreeing with the actual words of Jesus, and, and that's fine. But that's the truth. Jesus says, if you believe in me, you're going to be with me forever and eternity. If you don't, then, then you're going to be apart from me forever and eternity. Continues on a little later in John chapter 11, verse 25. Again, we give much, much more, but for time's sake. John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus told her, 
I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. In other words, Jesus says, your soul, the real you, is going to live for forever. And yeah, your physical body is going to rot in the ground, but the real you, the soul, will live forever with or without me. And then here's another one. And Paul, who was a follower of Jesus, writes this to a church that uh, he was writing to to encourage them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 8 through 10, he says this, Yes, we are fully confident that we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. In other words, that if I'm not in this physical body, the only other place I'm going to be as a follower of Jesus is with Jesus. Like there's only two realities for you as a follower of Jesus. is to be right here physically on this earth in this moment or to be dead, which means to be automatically with Jesus. There's no such place as like a holding place or like a purgatory. That's not really in the New Testament. It's not necessarily in the Bible. So the opposite is just as true. In fact, in Luke chapter 23, verse 43, Jesus is on the cross dying for me and for you. And as he's dying, he was surrounded by two thieves, two people who deserve punishment. Jesus was innocent. He's surrounded by two thieves. And one of the thieves makes fun of Jesus, but the other person on the cross looks at Jesus and says, you are the real deal. I didn't necessarily always believe or follow or understand, but now that I see you face to face, you are the real deal. You are God's son. You are the Messiah. Remember me. In other words, it's his way of saying, I give my life to you. Even when that man was dying, he was taking his last breath. And so to answer this person's question, what if I've never believed in God and I've hated God and I don't believe in any of this stuff, but on my deathbed, I give my life to Jesus, will I go to heaven? Yes, the answer is yes. That is the good news of Jesus. It's never too late. It's never too early. There is always, always hope. This is what Jesus said on the cross. Jesus is is literally drowning in his own blood in his lungs. And he looks over at the guy and he says, today, not tomorrow or 10 years from now, but today you will be with me in paradise or in heaven forever. Deathbed confessions, are they real? Yeah. Do those people go to heaven? Yes. End of story. Well, this story would be different. We believe what the Bible says as it says it. If you want to... uh, to go in more depth in this in Luke chapter 16 verses 19 through 21 that's a great story that, that Jesus gives a parable of a, a guy, a rich man we don't know his name and a poor man named Lazarus and Jesus talks about the realities of heaven and hell he kind of goes into detail but in Luke 16, 19 you can read that later here's the thing today all these questions were good isn't it cool you can come to church and you can start off a question with medical marijuana and you can end up with what happens when you die. Like, that's an awesome day at church, man. Like, I love that. That's so cool. The reality is none of these questions really matter if you don't get that last question right. Like, it really doesn't matter about the Bible being accurate. It doesn't really matter about medical marijuana. It doesn't really matter about creation and science if you don't get that last one right. What happens to you when you die? The Bible could not be more clear. If you give your life to Jesus, and we're going to give you that opportunity in just a few seconds, you will be with him forever. Forever. If you don't, then the reality is this is true. God's not going to send you anywhere. God's not going to force himself on you. It's your choice. That's the truth. So my question for you today is, this is truly the most important question that you'll ever answer in your life. This is the most important. And to be totally honest with you as well, it's the easiest one as well. It's the easiest one to get right. 
You do not have to be perfect. You don't even have to believe 100% everything in the Bible. I still have questions about some stuff. But I get the main one right, and that is, is Jesus who he says he was? Then I need him so I can have a relationship with God. That's the main thing. I promise you, we're not going to pressure you or force you into that. Nothing needs to be a decision you make on your own. But with that, I can, I can guarantee you, you're never going to regret it. I've never met a follower of Jesus. I've never met someone who gives their life to Jesus only years later to say, that was the worst decision I ever made. I regret that. No, it's the opposite. Every person said, that's the best decision I ever made. In fact, man, what was I doing before I made this decision with my life? I'm so glad I gave my life to Jesus. We want to give you that opportunity right now. Let's all pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for your word, for the Bible, for your truth that may be popular with culture. It might be unpopular with culture. There's things that we know clearly. There's things that we still don't know and question. But the main question is the most important, and that is giving our life to you. What will we do with the gift that you've given us, and that is our soul? Will we choose to hang on to it for ourselves, or will we give our soul to the very one who created it, which is you? It's not about joining a church or finding religion. It's about a relationship with you today as the rest of us are just praying if you would like to give your life to Jesus today that's that's the whole point of today was to help you know God if you've been a follower of Jesus for years and years and years well then today hopefully we help you take some next steps and growing closer to God but for you today maybe the very first step is yeah I want to know God for myself I don't want to hear what some person says I want to know him for me I'm ready to make that decision to give my life to Him. All that we ask you to do is simply raise your hand. You don't have to stand up. You don't have to come to the front. But right where you're at, yeah, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus right now. The rest of us, we're just praying. Yeah, I want to give my life to Jesus today so that I know for sure what happens when I die. All you need to do right now is raise your hand. We just would love to pray with you. We don't want to embarrass anyone. I want to give my life to Jesus right now. Let's say this prayer together. Jesus, thank you for loving me. I believe you're God's son. I believe you died on the cross and rose again for me. I love you. From today on, forgive me of my sin. Thank you. What an incredible message. Thanks again for joining us today here on the Pathway Church Podcast. If you want someone to agree and prayer with you, or if you are looking to take the next step in your relationship with God, please reach out to us by texting PODCAST to 405-400-0339. We can't wait to connect with you. Did you know you can follow along with the sermon notes on our app? Just download the Pathway app by searching Your Pathway Church, all one word, on your iPhone or Android. Then click Sunday Notes. You can also follow along with us on Instagram and Facebook at Your Pathway Church. Well, it's been a blast hanging out with you today. See you next week right here for another life-giving message.